Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, well, I hope, how are you all doing? <laughs> I was about to tell you how fine. I'm doing and that's rude. I didn't ask how you all are doing, so. Well, fine. Fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's kind of the same always, so mm-hmm. not much fluctuation. <laughs> um, um, uh. Go ahead. That's it? You, <laughs> you, really, you really want to tell us how you are. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm good because my garden's growing really well. Oh, okay. good. Yeah. I, uh, Charlie said that about us yesterday. Justin was talking to somebody on the phone, and she was like, my dad builds things now, and my mom grows things. So wow. that's my new thing. I grow things. Quarantine turned Sydney and Justin into that, you know, just homemaking we're couple. A, we're a homesteading couple. Mm-hmm. We're Husband builds the things that wife plants things in. <laughs> mm-hmm. He has, he has, he built, he built flower boxes out of bricks with our father. And now I'm planting flowers in them. And he built me a garden box out of wood and I'm pl- I planted a garden in it. I really want, I, 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 I did want to ask you for confirmation if all that woodworking is in fact what he's doing. Cause I wasn't sure if this was just an extended comedy bit on his Instagram. <laughs> No, he is really he is really doing this. Yeah. Uh, he has built now, in addition to the garden box, uh, a table. We we have a banquette in our island, but we never had a table for it. Which, if you didn't know what a banquette is, like I didn't until about like I don't know a month ago. It's like a like a window seat into your island that you put a table at. It's like a restaurant booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Built into your island. Yes, and yeah. we need we had we needed a table for it. And we never had one, so we would just kind of awkwardly sit at this banquette for fun. Yes, I don't know. At the wall. Yeah, I've yeah. sat at that banquette and stared <laughs> at that wall before. <laughs> so anyway, now we have a table. And he made two stools to go under the table. And uh, what else has he, he made? He made a coat rack that looks like Legos mm-hmm. for Charlie's room. That's right. He, he did made that. a tiny little Saw yellow that. table for out by your pool. Mm-hmm. That's a nice yellow table. Mm-hmm. He made his own workbench to make other things out of wood on. Mm-hmm. A little meta moment. <laughs> Snake eating its own tail kind of oh, thing there. That it's was very impressive. It's just for every picture, he uses the exact same caption. And then it's just, here's a picture of a very professional looking piece of woodworking. Like, I don't yeah. know if this is just some real out there comedy. If he's just going real, <laughs> just. No, I told him that. Performance art with woodworking. I told him that I support this hobby because maybe he could become part of the woodworking community and someday I can meet Nick Offerman and make mm. him a lally. So, oh, what if he becomes a contestant on that um, craft show that Nick Offerman and Leslie or Amy Poehler, Leslie, Amy Poehler do? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. See, this is that's all I'm ever thinking about. <laughs> I can meet one, people I'm a fan of. One degree of separation <laughs> <laughs> with your woodworking abilities. Uh-huh. I'm sure that's how it works, right? Everybody yeah. who is everybody who's into woodworking knows each other. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. get added to a group text just out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> but you have to keep it secret. So maybe he's already met, you know, Nick Offerman. Maybe they yeah. already are best buds. Yeah, you have to start making wood to truly know yeah. secrets. Making mm, wood. Well, well, no, here's the thing. No, Making not, the wood. Making no, the wood. That. That's well, not, you are no. growing things. So I guess in the long run, you could get there. That's true. I could make, yes, could I could make wood. Yes, and that then, is making wood. Turn it into wood. Uh, I, who, are some, who are some cool gardening famos um, <laughs> that I can be best buds with now? Um, do you think Gordon Ramsay gardens? 
I bet he would grow his own I, fresh produce, right? Or, or at herbs. Least herbs. Don't all fancy chefs have yeah. an herb garden? Yeah, I would think he would at least have an herb garden. I also have an herb garden. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> herb gardens have always confused me because they're kind of ready once, like, if you don't buy the seeds. Like, mm-hmm. we bought the starters here at our house and at your house. Like, the little yep. starters that you plant so you don't start from a seed. They're kind of ready from the moment you plant the starter, right? Like an herb is just like, it's just I mean, the plant. Yes. It, yes. So you're just growing more of the plant. So you have to uh-huh. be constantly using your supply of the plant or yeah. else you just have all of these herbs. Well, yeah. I mean, you do want to keep using. I mean, like it, there's no point otherwise if you're not going to like you shouldn't wait for something to What do I do with all these herbs? <laughs> like I I started using them like day yeah. 2 of planting yeah. my herb garden. But um they get bigger. I mean like if you look like it, my herb garden is quite lush. Oh. <laughs> See that I I find that the opposite problem is what I've had where I like I mean I've had like little potted herbs in my apartment but like it's like okay I've got some basil Okay, I took I took the six basil leaves that I've grown and I put it in the salad. Well, now I guess I gotta wait for a plant to be a plant again. For more <laughs> gotta wait for more basil. <laughs> like I, you, you need a lot of it to be like an, an active thing you can rely on. My yeah. uh, actually, my boss like hung like a hanging herb garden at the at the restaurant. It was like you can use this in your cocktails, and I would get like. 10 sprigs of rosemary off of it at a time you'd be like this is not no like i, I can make okay if we have five <laughs> customers a day then we can say these drinks are made with fresh herbs from our garden anything more than that and we gotta go buy nope. some. yep <laughs> i tell you the only thing that would work for is mint because i have one of my i have like um barrels on my back deck that yeah. i've put all the of various sizes in. yes various sizes of barrel i tried to make them look nice it does a- look aesthetically nice. pleasing yeah. barrels they are aesthetically pleasing barrels. Filled with herbs. Yeah. The mint barrel has gone wild. The mint barrel Ooh, is... mint gone wild. Yeah, mint <laughs> does. You can't plant it with other herbs because it will just... It will rule all herbs. Um, and so my mint barrel... I'm still worried, even though it is separated by barrel walls from my other herbs, I, I feel like it's going to... Like it's plotting. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's plotting to take over my other barrels. Well, you need to make some lemonade. Don't people plant mint in their lemonade? You need to. I don't to know why make I planted some, it. I don't know what um, to do with it. Make some mojitos. There you go. Make some mojitos. You could <laughs> make some like uh, chocolate milk and then put mint in it, and then it's like a peppermint. That's true. I have I like have both peppermint, peppermint patty. and spearmint. Yeah, um, you should you should just. I mean. You could turn a bunch of it into a mint syrup, and that'll last for a long time. Ooh. I could do that. I need to do something because I really, it. I feel like it's looking at the other barrels and <laughs> plotting domination. Just laughing at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soon, I'm coming for you, oregano. <laughs> I'm going to make you mine, cilantro. There's so little of you. I'm going to take you over. What has it done to the spearmint? Oh no! Are they it's, both growing. They, they're both okay. huge. They've like that, yeah. oh, they've teamed up. Okay, well, the, uh-huh. yeah, they're definitely going to take over all your synergy. Herbs. Synergy. Mm. Mm. They are. There is no spear or pepper. It is just mint. It is all mint. Mm. Uh, that's mint. not. We're not going to talk about gardening for the whole show, though. I don't know. It seems like we're trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't even garden. Uh, we were supposed to talk about uh, Edward Scissorhands, but then Tay, you had a different idea that mm-hmm. I thought was we both thought was a good one. I was yeah. going to take all the credit. I thought hey. it was a great idea. Well, well I, I did too. too, but it was your idea, so you tell us yeah. about it. 
Well, I mean, we know. I uh, we've got a week left in. With this is usually Pride Week. Uh, like this weekend mm-hmm. is usually when we have New York Pride here in New York. So we haven't done anything Pride related this month. And we got a good question. I think it was on Twitter. Somebody asked um, in response to I think the Sailor Moon episode if we'd ever talk about like the sort of queer icons or the fictional characters that helped us figure out our uh, our identities. And I thought that would be a pretty fun discussion for us all to have together. Yeah, I thought that was a great idea, and we can we can return to Edward Scissorhands in the future, but um, but to celebrate Pride before it it is over, because mm-hmm. our next episode will no it will no longer be Pride. I mean, you can uh, still have Pride after this week. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. time is okay. non-existent, anyways. Well, so. there's that, but you know. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're on the dot of the eye, and Jeremy bear me, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Um. I, I thought this was a really, I'm really glad you brought this topic up or whoever, I guess the, the listener who tweeted it at us. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad they, they asked this question and that you mentioned it because it really got me thinking and I have some, I have some thoughts on this, but I don't want to start us off because, oh, oh. I, 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 well, I mean, I don't have like defined answers to this question, All so right. I feel like I'm not the okay. best one to launch into this topic. Um... Tay, do you want to get us started? Well, okay, I'll, I'll give the, the, you know, uh, the obvious answer, because it's the one that I think inspired this question to begin with. Uh, Sailor Moon was a very revolutionary show, I think, for a lot of us young people. I, I will say a lot of, looking at my list, a lot of them are cartoons. They're almost all anime. So for all the parents <laughs> that were worried in the 90s that anime was going to make their kids gay, oops, it did. <laughs> <laughs> oops. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, that a worry? <laughs> I was like, oh no, they're gonna watch all that weird perverted anime, and it's you know, it's gonna ruin them. Oh, yeah. oh no, yeah, and they, they, mm. was, they were absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean, Sailor Moon had because obviously the the we were talking before this about how we have lists. Um, it, it kind of like the the characters that I'm like oh they were they were either queer coded or they were just queer and that inspired me to investigate my identity or it was like oh that's not a boy and I I think they're pretty like yeah that that's kind of two different lists but yeah I feel like like in Sailor Moon you've got the couple of Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune and that kind of helped me clarify that because it's the thing you kind of there's you don't get those clear delineations because you just don't see like enough representation so you just kind of would cling to what you would get but with them it was like here's a couple i want to be cool and look like sailor uranus and just say f you to gender boundaries but i think sailor neptune's really pretty and magical so (laughs) it was a very good good kind of guidepost in my young life that that couple being represented um i think uh, i i think that's really interesting because i can see where that would i mean I remember being aware that they were a couple because you told me because in the, of course in the dubbed version they were cousins cousins yeah, oh, yeah. um yeah so but I but I remember you telling me that and being like fascinated by the idea that that would be because I mean at that point in time there were very few non-straight relationships right represented well, in media mm-hmm. of any kind and I don't yeah. I mean, it would be a while, I think. I'm trying to think another... I mean, there, there are other examples I can think of, but in media where I would see not only, like, a, a queer couple, but a couple that was so 
like they're really of all the relationships in Sailor Moon, I think the the most like the the, the one you'd want to be in would be in the in Uranus and Neptune's relationship because they're endlessly supportive of each other. They mm-hmm. have total confidence in their relationship. You know, it's like it's almost just like, yeah, I mean, this is my person. I'm I'm their person. There's no question. Like they're yeah. so confident, you know, with with Mamoru and Usagi constantly being like, oh, no, now you don't remember me again. Like, oh, now you're trying <laughs> to kill me. Like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> even when you know who I am, you're really mean to me. Like, it's not a great relationship. But then Uranus and Neptune, you know, in comparison are just so calm and like committed to each other. Like it was a healthy, functional queer relationship, which a lot of adult media, even that recognized queer characters in the 90s, didn't know how to make functional queer relationships. You know, they always had to be dramatic and somebody probably died. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually thinking about this is one I hadn't thought about before, but it's kind of an interesting, more modern comparison, I think. Taylor, I know it's a show I think you've watched. Sydney, I don't know if you have or not. It's a cartoon um, Adventure Time, which yeah. I watched a lot growing up. I always remember being fascinated by the friendship between Princess Bubblegum and Marceline and always wishing I had like, you know, that that female best friend that was kind of like your opposite, but also like your counterpart. But then at the end of the series, they kiss, right? Yeah. So like there's that hint and they never define it as anything bisexual, lesbian, you know, whatever that I remember. But also, I remember I was always fascinated by their relationship and also kind of had a crush on Marceline the whole time I was watching it growing up. And then I remember it ending when I was much older and watching that. I was like, oh, right, right. Because they, okay, right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and see, it's funny because I watched the show, obviously, uh, I was a lot older than you when I was watching it. Yeah. And I felt like I, I picked up on stuff the whole way where it's like, no, they because now like canon, they used to they dated before. So when we meet the characters yeah. in the show, they previously had dated and had a breakup. And I mean, uh-huh. you get hints like Bubblegum has Marceline's T-shirt that she like sniffs every night before she goes to bed. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff there. And it's funny because it's like, oh, which one will Finn end up with? I'm like, Finn's not getting either one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That was just the wildest moment because I just thought I see when I was watching it, I was probably like 12 years old, maybe 13. And I just remember thinking like, oh, they're just they're best friends. They're they're girl best friends. That's her girl best friend. And then at the end, I was like, oh, no, wait, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. It was so much more. And also, I think maybe this means something more to me than I originally thought. Well, and that (laughs) song that Marceline sings, like, I'm just your problem. Like, like, oh, no, there are feelings there. Yeah. But I, I, I. Obviously, like, it's not one of my young influences because I was a lot older when when I was watching that. But definitely to me, they thought that was like, oh, this is a sign of things to come. This is positive. Like, they're they're two of the best characters on the show. And they had, they didn't like have, oh, look, there's some gays in the background. You can can see them (laughs) if you squint. It's like, no, they're like two of the main characters. And they unabashedly made them queer, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I do really like that. It's really interesting to see, like, cartoons, um, animated series kind of leading the way in that because I was just thinking like I didn't watch I was never as much into animated stuff as I think you two mm-hmm. were and are yeah. um, but I watch a lot more of it nowadays because of Charlie and yeah. Cooper mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's so interesting to see it like in shows like Craig of the Creek or The Loud House or certainly like Steven Universe where like uh, relationships that aren't straight are just casually part of 
They don't make it. a big deal out of it. It's just it, there. It's just there. Yeah. It's just it, and, and it's and it's very uh, consistently represented. And I, I don't know. It's so, but it's it's so interesting. And I mean, it makes me really happy. I feel very good about media that I'm exposing my kids to that show that kind of diversity. Right. Um, but it's just there, and I don't ever remember when I was younger it just being there mm-hmm. as if like also this is something that exists yeah. and is real and is fine it just wasn't yeah. well I feel like part of that is the I mean I feel like uh, not so much in and like nowadays but I think that when you had a character that was queer and you had a show based in reality you felt like you, they had you had to explain their struggles or their, that had to be part of their plot line. When you've got a fictional universe or an animated universe, it's kind of like, I think that's what drew me to that is because it was never a plot point, really. Or it was never like the storyline wasn't, this character's gay, watch them suffer. Like, which is most of like what mm-hmm. like set of reality right. from the 90s, that's it. Uh, yeah. But it was just like a world where, you know, in this in the Sailor Moon universe, nobody cares if you're gay, really. You know, in the Adventure Time universe, it doesn't seem to be a, a thing. It's like they just don't have that. So yeah. characters can just exist and be themselves. And, and, and even on shows like I think about like Buffy is an example of a show that I mean, I watched and mm-hmm. then definitely you had Willow and Tara who mm-hmm. were together. Um, it. My recollection of like the understanding that here we have Willow early on dating Oz, who is a guy, and then she is friends with Tara and they're together a lot. And then it is finally kind of revealed on the show that they're together now. They're Mm -hmm. a couple and everybody kind of understands that. I don't remember like I feel like it was like it was dealt with in the well, we'll just say that this is happening and then move forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't remember like watching it and I, I don't know. I, it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just was sort of yeah. the truth. It was just there. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I God. Well, and I, I really it like even now, I guess I don't know. And I'm not going to I can't you know, it, I, I had nothing to do with the making of Buffy. So I have no idea <laughs> like, what? what is what is the character Willow's sexuality. I presume bisexual, but I I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me putting my understanding onto the character. Uh, but I, I felt like there was also an interpretation where it was like, was it that w- Willow couldn't, you know, be who she was because of that time period and because... There weren't a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't have friends who were lesbians. And right. so is she a lesbian? I don't yeah. know. And I felt like both of those were options as to how you could interpret this character. Right. Well, I mean, the you know, I have uh, as much love as I had for Buffy as a, as a young person. I think as an adult, you kind of have to look at it a bit more critically because there's a lot about the presentation of Willow's uh, sexuality that's kind of kind of not great. Like. They, they don't really, they don't ever really talk about it. You're right. Like the characters, they just always are a little bit like kind of grossed out by it. Like there's a lot of comments by Buffy and Xander where they're just like, ugh, like let's just not, you know, or like with Dawn when I remember in the musical episode when they say, oh, they're, mm-hmm. they're studying, they're definitely studying. It's like they don't, even the idea of romance between two women, they don't want Dawn to be exposed yeah. to that. Like they're kind of weird about it. 
And yes, it, it is. It does feel like it's something that weirds them out. Not that they say that. I'm not I'm not going to they don't say that. But yes, I do get that sense. Yes. Yeah, it's just kind of like we accept it. But, you know, you know all right. Keep that to yourself. Uh, but then it's also like that that magical like it, we don't say bisexual. We Willow was in a loving had a you know, like had a crush on Xander was in a very loving relationship with Oz. And then she dates a woman, and then it's like, I'm a lesbian now. I, I for, forget all that. It's like, we never even broached the idea of like, well, maybe you're bisexual, but I think Yeah, that's, maybe you could have two real loving relationships with both of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a consistent, I don't, I think that that's part of, I mean, that's part of bisexual erasure, which we all know is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the, the particularly heinous about it in the 90s, I was, I was saying earlier, not, not a thing that I would put on my list because i do not like this movie but the movie chasing amy that the yes literal plot is that you know there's a, a guy falls in love with a character who identifies as a lesbian um she falls for him eventually and they have a relationship she kind of destroys her entire life because her whole life is centered in like lesbian culture and then this guy ends up breaking up with her and uh she goes back to being a lesbian but that's what it is it's like she was a lesbian and then she goes straight and then she's back to being a lesbian it's like was she maybe bisexual all along was yeah maybe that it <laughs> i don't think they ever call her that in the movie no i don't think that word is used i, I mean it's the same thing for me like i was when i was really thinking about this hard when you proposed that we we talk about this like rent came to mind mm-hmm. it, is maureen bisexual i assume again like this is my assumption that I am making based on my own life experiences that she must be mm-hmm. because she's we know she was with Mark, you know, and they had a real now relationship she's with Joanne. And now yeah, she's with Joanne. Yeah. So we we assume, but in my when I was exposed to Rent the first time when I was a teenager, and back back at that period of time in history and my age in my brain the way I interpreted that was. Well, she probably, because of society and the heteronormative culture we live in and all this, she thought she had to date a guy, but then she went out into the world, realized that she wasn't straight, Mm -hmm. she was a lesbian, and now she is in a, you know, satisfying lesbian relationship because that is who she is. Right. And that was the way my brain understood it when I was a teenager. Yeah. I am not saying that that is the truth. Right. And I think you could easily say well no she just is bisexual yeah. it looks like she's bisexual because she is and What's, that's the yeah. end of it and i understand that now now in 2020 as an right. adult but in the 90s that i i i don't know that i'd ever seen that yeah mm-hmm. which i think is interesting as an interpretation of the same movie well i only the musical movie my first experience with rent was the movie <laughs> i was very young i didn't have the filmed yes, on stage yes. version uh-huh. now i uh-huh. obviously prefer the on stage version but um I remember watching it for the first time. I was probably 13 or 14. And my immediate thought was, oh, she's bisexual. Like, there was never... And I don't think that's a difference in, like, person. I think that's just a difference in the culture that we both were raised in. Where, like, to you, there was no representation of being Mm -hmm. bisexual in media. So either you were straight or you were a lesbian. But for me, I grew up knowing, like, there is such a thing as bisexuality. And in in the... on-screen version you see Maureen date both Mark and Joanne but also she flirts with other men and she flirts with other women Mm -hmm. and Mark and Joanne both talk about her cheating on them with men and with women like you see that she obviously has attraction to both 
men and women. Right. So uh, that was always just kind of understood for me. And she was one of the characters I actually initially thought of when I thought who made me realize like that being bisexual was a thing that I might be. It's it's funny. I really think we're talking about like representation and then also vocabulary problems mm-hmm. here. Um, and I, I want to talk about that more. But before I do that, let's check the group message. Uh, so a lot of us are working from home right now. Uh, not only that, we're doing things like working out from home right now because it's probably not a good idea to go to the gym. Yeah. That would be my advice. Yeah. Stay home, work out from home. Uh, but when you're doing that stuff, whether you're working, hanging out, relaxing, whatever, uh, you you want to be, you know, listening to your tunes, mm-hmm. your jams, your podcasts, perhaps. Your beats and your bops. <laughs> your, all those things. <laughs> Uh, and the best way to do that is with wireless earbuds from Raycon. They're stylish, they're discreet, and I would say perhaps best of all, they start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. They sound just as good as all those top audio brands that you're going to pay a lot more for, um, but you're going to save a lot of money. Uh, they aren't going to fall out of your ears, which I love. Raycon mm-hmm. earbuds do not... Um, constantly fall out like maybe when you're uh cleaning up after dinner after your children have made a mess of the kitchen and you're trying to like bend over and pick up mashed potatoes off the floor right raycon earbuds are not going to fall out of your ears (laughs) while you're doing that which i love and their newest model the everyday e25 earbuds are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime seamless bluetooth pairing more bass and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise noise isolating fit they're so comfortable and they're perfect whether you're on a conference call or you're listening to your favorite podcast so taylor if our listeners want to check out raycon what should they do well now it's time to get the latest and greatest from raycon get 15 percent off your order at buyraycon.com slash buffering that's buyraycon.com slash buffering for 15 percent off raycon wireless earbuds buyraycon.com slash buffering so the reason we're kind of getting into what I have struck, what I struggled with when you mentioned that we should talk about this, Tay. Um, I really started racking my brain to think about what characters on TV shows, movies, books, comic books, whatever, that helped me figure out who I was. And I could not come up with any. I mean, I could, like we've talked about, I could name characters who weren't straight. Sure. But as far as like really honestly saying that there was somebody who helped me figure it out, mm-hmm. I, I really I was really coming up empty. And I think the reason is that in my head when I because I mean, I knew that I was attracted to both men and women from as early as I remember being attracted to anyone. Sure. I mean, I knew that about myself um, and I knew I knew not to talk about it, or at least I thought I couldn't talk about it. Um, In retrospect, a lot of that was probably me, assuming Mm -hmm. I couldn't. But uh, I knew not to talk about it. But the reason I thought not to talk about it was not because I thought, well, I'm bisexual and I'm just not ready to tell anybody or I'm worried what people will think. It was because I thought, oh, I'm deviant. I'm... Right. I, I have... I have abnormal, unnatural desires. Mm -hmm. And 
I bet there are probably other people like me <laughs> and I'll find them someday. Yeah. But I won't tell anybody because then they'll know that I'm bad. Right. I mean, for me, it was very much tied up with like, I have, I want things that are bad. And I, it never occurred to me, the word bisexual never even sprung into my brain mm-hmm. as like an option for what I could be. Yeah. Um, which I'm, and I say this not for like, I, I don't think that it did great damage to me. Eventually I figured things out and I have been very privileged in that I've always been surrounded by supportive people. Right. But uh, it, there was nobody on TV or anywhere that I ever remember just being by and showing me that like, oh no, that's just a way you are. That's just who you are. Um, and I, I really, I, I came up dry on this on this particular issue because mm-hmm. I just, I don't feel like that was ever represented to me. It was always like a pathway to being gay right. is the way I feel like media portrayed it. I remember mm-hmm. there's a sex in the city scene where they explicitly say that mm-hmm. being bi is like a stop off on your way to, I think the way they word it is like on your way to gayville or yeah. something. Um, but like you, you say that for a while until you're ready to admit to the world that you're gay. And I knew that I wasn't, a lesbian because I knew I also liked guys and so I didn't know what I was mm-hmm. and I, I, that that uh, Sex and the City episode that you're referencing is particularly heinous uh, yeah. yes it's, and I mean you know like I'll put on Sex and the City as like a, a stupid thing that's kind of entertaining sometimes um, but man uh, that one because what's Carrie just like is narrating through the whole thing and the plot line is that she's dating a, a bi man she finds out he's yes. bi and she tries to roll with it. And then she decides that, you know what? That's just, she just can't handle that. And that's fine. And that's the resolution on the episode is it's totally okay that she doesn't want to be with this person because they happen to be bisexual. And they're like, oh, yeah. what a damaging, like, mm-hmm. you know, like choice you made, writers. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, it really is like, the whole, I think they even might use the buy is a lie line. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they do. But like I remember that being said so much back when I was a teenager. I remember that that quip being thrown out like at school, among my friends, on TV mm-hmm. as just like a truth, just a universal truth. And so like the idea that I would ever be that it it wasn't an option. It yeah. wasn't a thing that you could be. Right. And so I'd. I don't know. And and I really it it's funny when I was thinking about like female characters that I was attracted to, it was really hard for me to process what that meant. Mm-hmm. I I remember being very obsessed with Helen Hunt and Twister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, we all know what that means now. <laughs> <laughs> I I was obsessed with her. I saw that movie so many times. At this point that's just coded language for not straight. So uh you a fan of Helen Hunt and Twister? <laughs> I but I really like I was obsessed with that and I I I thought the way my brain tried to process it was well I must want to be like her. I want to be like that character because what else could that mean? Right. Um because the the idea that it's like not you just have the hots for it, like yeah. that wasn't I don't know, it just wasn't something that was but I, mean, I, I what we're getting at is like why representation matters, right? Because when you're a kid, right. you don't even know what you can be unless you see all the options. Yeah. And that wasn't an option for me. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I guess that is because, you know, I, I have to be wildly thankful for my, 
my my weird anime obsession as a young person. <laughs> because I mean, like you're right. Compared to what you were seeing on like mainstream TV, you know, like a character like Haruka, who's gender nonconforming, who's queer, like that was totally like. Uh, you know, revolutionary. And speaking of revolutionary, like that another show that I, I watched as a young person was Revolutionary Girl Utena, which I don't know if you ever watched it. Did you? No. Uh, which uh, it was actually made by one of the people that worked on Sailor Moon. He had a story for Uranus and Neptune that he kind of wanted to do separate. And then he spun it off into just it's, it's its own show with completely different characters. But the whole basis is there's like a, a young a young girl who is like sort of meets a prince at a young age and he's very kind to her but instead of like wanting to be with a prince she basically decides she wants to emulate the prince and be a prince to other young princesses and that's the main character Utena who's very you know I think in in modern terms we'd we'd call her gender non-conforming or non-binary gender fluid maybe um and she's trying to win the hand of this princess is kind of the it goes in weird places. It's a 90s anime. There's a lot of drama. But also, it was one of those, like, things that I saw that was like, oh, you don't, it, you know, you could you could be the prince. You can be the hero. You don't have to just wait to be rescued. You can be the one that rescues. And that was really important to, like, the idea of existing outside of a gender binary and also more more queer representation because it was clearly, a right. you know, two women in, in the lead roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's one teen TV show that came to mind when I was thinking about this that's more modern that I remember watching very uh, soon before I came out as bisexual, which was The 100. I don't know if either of you have seen it, um, but it's it's just a typical teen drama, very kind of post-apocalyptic, weird uh, world that they live in. But the main character is a girl named Clark who the series starts and then she starts dating a guy. And then you meet this other woman named Lexa, who then, you know, they're kind of enemies, but then they end up together. Finally, they kiss. And it's never a conversation that's had. It's never like, oh, well, I guess I'm a lesbian now. Or no, that was just like a, a fluke. Or I didn't really mean it when I liked the guys before. It was very much accepted among all the characters in the show. This is just a bisexual character. But then uh, the show got a lot of criticism and I actually stopped watching because then it kind of fell into that bury your gaze trope. No. Where Lexa and Clark kiss, you see them together, I think maybe one or two episodes, and then Lexa dies. Oh. Um, sorry, spoilers for anyone that's seen the show. It's been out for a while. But yeah, it's it's like, it, it wasn't even this, I, I was reading criticism of the show before this episode. It wasn't even what you would call like a quote unquote noble death. It mm-hmm. was like a bullet that was meant for someone else that ended up hitting her. Oh, so, so and- Tara. <laughs> So Tara. So Tara. Yeah. And it was a lot of comparison between that where you finally had this, you know, uh, Lexa was never defined as a lesbian woman, but that is what, you know, watching the show, what you would probably label her as if you wanted to. Um, And a bisexual woman who you see together and it's accepted and it's great and you get this representation and then almost immediately she is killed. So, you know. Is very close to being good representation, but then you know they had to get rid of her. Was it a good? Was it a good representation on Grey's Anatomy? I stopped watching. Oh, but they had a couple who. Yeah. uh, One was a lesbian, and one one was bisexual. To the doctors, Uh, I don't remember their names because I. Calliope and. Is her name Alaska? Alaska. Arizona. Arizona. It was a state. Yeah. (laughs) Said Alaska. Yeah. No, they end up. They get married. They uh, um, have a 
child that Calliope gives birth to, but they had a surrogate and it's their child. And um, at some yeah. at some point, uh, Grey's Anatomy just lost me because of doctors just aren't yeah having all that sex in the hospital <laughs> and like they don't have all that free time and I mean. It's just not that cool, guys. Yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> Grey's Anatomy lost me for all those reasons. Yeah. So I never found out what happened to those two. But I remember but that they, they were getting together. Yeah. No, that was a good that was a good um, couple, I remember. But then the <laughs> only other one was, and this is a series I have problems with for multiple reasons, but Pretty Little Liars, which I read the books of, and then it was a TV show. Its whole point was a big murder mystery, whatever. But one of the main girls, Emily is shown a lot in the beginning that she had a secret crush on Allison, the main one that went missing. And it's especially prevalent in the books that at one point they even kiss and, and Emily realizes then that she is a lesbian and, but she has these secret feelings for her friend. Um, and then eventually in the series, you know, she goes on to date several women and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that's part of her character and it's never like a bad thing about her in the show. It's a very, I think it's a very good character when it comes to representation of her sexuality but I do think that moment where you're a teenager and you're like a freshman in high school and you have all these friends and you're at a sleepover and you're talking about like boys that you like or whatever and, and everyone's talking about it. And then there's the one character who doesn't have anything to add because she is attracted to one of the other girls in the room but doesn't feel like she can say that. And that's a moment I've, I've been in before where it's like, oh no, this is a friend I have who I don't just like really like is a best friend who I don't just like want to be around all the time. I have a I have feelings for this other woman in my life, but I know she is a straight woman, so I'm just going to not say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting that that was represented on media probably six or seven years ago because, I don't know, I feel like that, that wasn't anything I felt like I could talk about right. then. Sure. Well, and I, I do think like when when I think about times where it was like represented there was a lot of like I felt like bisexual characters or like even in references to somebody who is straight who then like starts to like have an attraction to you know someone of the same gender uh, like it sort of played like they're kind of promiscuous Mm -hmm. like they're kind of I mean like Later on Sex in the City, like, Samantha has a relationship with a woman, right? And I, I feel like that happens later. And I feel like it's very, it, it, it fits very well into that time period that it would be the character whose whole thing is kind of that she has more sex than everybody else. Right. And she has had more partners than everybody else. And so, like, obviously that's the character who would, like, I feel like that that was always kind of it. Like, yeah. well, and some people just want to have sex with a lot of people and so they might be bisexual as if like that's automatically what that makes you right um but i remember that always i like seeing it that way like yeah or that it for for, as a woman i felt like it was often also played for uh it's like a hot thing to do right right. you know and and i always found that very troublesome and upsetting the idea that like oh you're just doing that to display this so that guys will like you better and that's very gross. Um, but I feel like there was a lot of that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is something I have heard even in like real interactions with other people since I've been in college and been out as bisexual is like, oh, mostly from men. Um, only from men, actually. 
oh, you only like girls to get attention from guys. Or yeah. my my least favorite was, oh, you're too pretty to also like <laughs> girls. You only like guys. You don't mean that. I was like, well, nope, uh, nope, nope. None of those are accurate statements. And all of those are homophobic and biphobic. And I don't mm. appreciate any of well, them. I, I do think it's it's not, the, none of the characters from it were influential on me. But I think as far as a movie that completely just skewers the whole, like, depraved bisexual trope, um, I can't say enough good things about Jennifer's body. Diablo Cody's, like, very much maligned, uh, like, horror movie but your your main character Jennifer is you know a, a brought like sacrificed by this pop punk band and uh, comes back to life as like a demon. But she has like it's implied. I mean, she's had a relationship with her best friend that maybe has been physical at some points. They're very like the relationship at the center of the movie is the two the two female leads. But Jennifer is literally like a bisexual woman that eats men alive and is demonic and like that's like. Yeah. I love but that. It's, but it's like <laughs> tongue firmly planted in cheek. Like they definitely, it's right. purposefully done. And I, I love it because it's like, okay, fine. All bisexuals are evil here. They're going to eat your souls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what we say at the meetings. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we will eat your souls. Mm-hmm. I, as an adult, I will say, because I was really thinking hard, like when, when has any character influenced me? And it, it really didn't happen until I was an adult. Um, uh, Stephanie Beatriz on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, because not only the character that she plays, but also um, the like when her her she herself has come out as bisexual, and she wrote, I I thought a very nice essay when she got married because she was marrying a, a man, mm-hmm. and like I'm still bisexual. Yeah, and it was. I remember reading that, and and it really spoke to me on a personal level, like that this was a thing I could still own, yeah, despite being married to a man, and that that doesn't. I'm not. Def- that does not define my sexuality. It, and I know I'm very old to be coming to these <laughs> realizations, but it really did. I mean, yeah. it, it was the first time where I saw anyone in the spotlight say out loud what I had what I had felt and it was very like freeing for me like oh okay yeah (laughs) all right (laughs) that's okay I'm that's me that okay I get it now but um it really like I until then I just didn't it was just kind of like my own private thing because there wasn't there just wasn't enough of it nobody said it out loud nobody was that it's nice to see that represented somewhat more although I still think you don't see a ton of bisexual characters. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we, we're doing better, but we're yeah. we, we're still not quite there. I, I do appreciate her coming out scene even in the show when her character mm-hmm. comes out because if I remember correctly, you're talking about bringing a, a date somewhere, going on a date. Yeah. And she just very flatly like just says, it is a woman that I am bringing or I'm mm-hmm. going on a date with. I am bisexual. That's that's that. It <laughs> doesn't go any further into it, which partly is because, you know, her character is very dry and non-emotional but also yeah. it's it's just a moment in the show that shows like this is a character clearly defining we you know she is a bisexual woman but it's not a thing that requires any you know 
there doesn't need to be a bad guy that thinks that's a bad thing. There doesn't need to be a whole conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Like, is she sure? Like, what does this mean? It's just, this is who I am as a person. And yeah. I really appreciate that because it's one of the first, I think the first time I'd ever seen a woman come out as a bisexual woman on, in any sort of media. And it was treated just very. Well, yeah. I, and, and Holt says that really nice thing. What is his line about anytime we find out the world's like a little more different? Yeah. It makes it more beautiful. Makes it more beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That made me cry. Um, yeah. No, I thought it was because, I mean, even if you look at a show like Orange is the New Black, I don't think they ever yeah. explicitly call Piper bisexual, but I. I mean, she was married. Is she? I'm, she was dating Alex, who was a woman. Then she married a man. Mm-hmm. And then she, when she went to prison, she started dating Alex again and then ended up getting married to Alex. Does she? Yeah. That was another show. Like at some point I stopped watching it. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I. Yeah, no shade on that show. I just, I, at some point, I But again, watching. they never say she's a bisexual woman, but I mean, she now has had two marriages, one to a man and one to a woman. So you would you would guess. Yeah. Hmm. But but the only way we know that is if you say that. Um, right, you can't and, assume that about anyone just based off of, you know, no, their you, dating you, history. You shouldn't assume it. And, and it seems like, and I know that you can seem a little pedantic when it's like, but we're showing very clearly she had relationships with a man and a woman, so we're demonstrating it. We don't have to say it because we're demonstrating it. And I think that that argument would make a lot of sense if there weren't decades of media <laughs> in which bi people don't exist. Yeah, we're we're not we're not something that can exist. And it really, I I can't say enough. If there had ever been a single character when I was a teenager who just said that like like on Buffy if it was no it's not that I couldn't it's not that because of societal pressures I felt the need to be in a straight relationship but I have been a lesbian my whole life and now I can finally be who I am I am bisexual if that conversation had ever happened that would have meant the world to me mm-hmm. as a young person if if that was like explicit on rent that would have meant the world to me yeah. so I think that it is important to say out loud this character is bisexual. Mm-hmm. I am bisexual. That mm-hmm. is a thing you can be because there are young people who I guarantee today, especially living somewhere like here, yeah, who are in their head not knowing who they are or what they. I mean, knowing it but not having the words for it yet. Because mm-hmm. you know, you know who you are. You yeah. always know who you are. Yeah. But seeing what that looks like in the world is a process we go through when we look out and see what's around us. Sure. And until you see someone like you, it's hard to define that. Yeah. So <laughs> we need it said explicitly. Yeah. I wish I would have shared more of my, my media with you, Sid, when we were younger. But I guess I was still kind of, I, it was my, I don't know. It's like for me, any like media that had queer representation I was engaging in felt like we, you know, dirty or wrong. Like even if it was completely non-sexual, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, like, oh, this is, that was, that was my version of smut as a teen it's an anime with a queer character (laughs) or uh one of the things that was really influential on me was the comic uh love and rockets which is done alternatively by the the hernandez brothers gilbert and jaime but jaime's storyline uh is is always centered on these two female best friends uh hopi and maggie and they're sometimes lovers they sometimes state men they are, are are sometimes the other and it just was always very like it was not questioned whether or not are they into men or are they into women? They're into both. Like it's it's explicitly clear. And sometimes they're into each other. And it was just so like 
naturally presented, you know, that it just kind of felt like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just a way you can be. Like, you can, it's it's fine. Like, you know, and none of the other mm-hmm. characters in the comic book ever questioned it. Um, yeah. Right. Also, the, the Hopi character, I think, falls in line with my canon of, like, Hopi was kind of kind of masculine, but also could be very feminine, was kind of genderless, just, you know, was like just one of those, you know, style icons for me, but a really, really <laughs> great comic book. It's also like like punk rock culture in LA in like the eighties and nineties is sort of the setting for it. So it's it's a really great book. But like, you know, I, I definitely had to search into like underground comics or, you know, like other other there was nothing in the mainstream. I think that was what led me yeah. into my interest in both comics and animation was really that that's where I could find myself represented um, and ultimately directed my career and my life. Like uh, like Gadget the Mouse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lesbian icon Gadget the Mouse. I do yeah. think... Like, when you get into the characters that are maybe... They weren't queer, but they were queer-coded. I mean... Yeah. Because let's be real. Chip and Dale both had a thing for Gadget. Gadget did not pay them any mind. Never. Never. I always... That was another character. I mean, I'm not saying I was attracted to oh, Gadget. Oh, who wasn't attracted to Gadget? <laughs> but you're not saying you weren't attracted I to Gadget. I will proudly say I was attracted to Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> but that was another that, like, it was, it, it, in my head, it was very much mixed up. Like, I want to be that way. I want to wear a jumpsuit and goggles <laughs> and not care what anybody See, thinks and be good at something that was, you know, I think previously considered kind of a masculine sure. thing, like fixing things. Yep. It shouldn't be, but it has been traditionally. Yeah. I want to be good at all that and kind of be like the the boss in the sense that I mean I'm not the leader but I'm the one who really knows what's going on. Yeah. And See, that's how <laughs> I always felt about um, one of the villains from Kim Possible, Shigo, <laughs> who now looking back and reading about the show, obviously was I think to a lot of people a queer coded villain um, in the show. But I remember watching that show. And just thinking like, yeah, being Kim Possible would be cool. But like, look at Shigo. Look at that green and black jumpsuit she's wearing. And she's so powerful and so smart. And then like, oh, wait, no. I just had a crush yeah. on Shigo. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, or like watching watching the movie Tombstone and really realizing that like hey. Kate, who was with Doc Holliday. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to like, be like. I want to be like Doc Holliday. But Kate is who I want to like. Yeah. Kate. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I I remember that moment realizing like I don't really want to be Kate. I think I yeah. like Kate. <laughs> well, I, I had I wrote the earliest one. I maybe outside of Gadget the Mouse that I can think of is uh, I really liked the. There was like a remake of Johnny Quest in the late nineties. Uh, I think what was it the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest or something? Yeah, I remember really that. Really bad yeah. like CGI in part of it. They went into the Quest Zone. Um, but uh, but uh, Ray Bannon's daughter, Jessie Bannon, was just like she was smart and she was cool and uh, she I don't know like just like a really smart, awesome redhead. Which I realized when I look at the characters, not that I wanted to be like, but that I was attracted to in media. I I have just a, just a line of like like smart, brave, like femme redheads. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Bat Jesse Bat like, Yeah. It really is it's all a retrospect thing for me because then I start going back and thinking like how disappointed I was in Jesse Spano when she started dating AC Slater. Cause like 
Jesse, you could do so much <laughs> like better. Me. <laughs> <laughs> like me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad it's better now. Yeah. Riley, I, I think you certainly have had a lot more positive representation and role models. For sure. There's still not enough. Yes. I would say. I was... Justin and I were looking up a list to just try to like jog my memory. Am I forgetting characters? Like, is there some, is there somebody that I could, you know, that I could have connected with that I just didn't watch or whatever. And the like bisexual characters in media and the list included one of the characters from the movie dark (laughs) harvest, which is a a horror film Mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, (laughs) filmed in West Virginia with a lot of uh, our, yeah, a lot of our friends. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, that it. was locally, not locally like Huntington, but like that was. It's a deep reach. We, I, That's funny. Justin knows like everyone in that movie. I did not know this. I know some of them. I don't know all of them, but wow. I know some of the people in the film. But like wow. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a treat if you haven't seen it. But when you are reaching to Dark yeah. Harvest for a bi character, you're really reaching. Yeah. You know, it, it's, this is more of an aside, but I do think it's funny um, because I, you look at like. Beloved characters in the LGBTQ community, and that, in more modern times, the Babadook comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it was based on just a misclassification on Netflix where the movie got categorized sure. as like a yeah. like a gay and lesbian drama. Um, but I do think there's a there's a distinct connection between like like young queers that didn't have good representation and a love of horror, like. Because yeah. I, you just because I think it's like a weird conflation of that sense of like, and, and hopefully this is outdated because it comes from a very poisonous place of that conflation of like, there's something wrong and evil about me, mm-hmm. and then pair that with so many queer coded villains like hyper feminine mm-hmm. va- vampires, yes. you know, like there's there's so much of like overt sexuality is is evil in so many mm-hmm. horror movies, and I feel like that's also where like my love of horror and specifically like the bad guys in horror, the monsters I've always loved them, but I think mm-hmm. it's because it's like i don't have a I don't have like a lexicon of queer characters, so I guess I just you know really really like the i don't know the jason <laughs> I really i really yeah. like <laughs> mm-hmm. bad yeah. ash from from Army of darkness like no, I, but I really, I do think that's true. I think a lot of that, it was very clouded mm-hmm. when we were younger and like you had to really search for things and there was a lot of, it's so weird how you get that messaging no matter what. Nobody ever, our our parents never explicitly told me that it was bad to be anything other than straight. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not like we were, we weren't in kind of the kind of like conservative household where I would have ever thought I'd be kicked out or anything sure. like that. It wasn't like that. It was just all of the world was a, was like all of the world around me was oriented that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that there were other options, it, it just wasn't in my head when yeah. I was that age. I know that I know better now. I hope yeah. I, I hope I've made that clear. Like, yeah. I know all of this is wrong. Right. And I wish I had had people tell me that when I was that age. I know it's all wrong. But at the, when I was a teenager, I just didn't know. What? I think it's, I mean, I, I have hope for the way that things progress. You know, there's so much, there's so much media that's being made now. Live action, mainstream, animation, like four kids, four adults, four teenagers that all has, I think, is makes an effort to have like healthy queer representation. And, you know, they can have queer storylines or just queer characters that just exist, you know, that are just part of the landscape. 
I've right. been geeking out on Shira that just ended on Netflix. It just had a lot of like, you know, it had lesbian characters. It had like, you know, like just not. It had a lot of not straight characters, and they didn't feel the need to explain it. It was just like, yep, there's a, there mm-hmm. not everybody's straight in this show. No, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> yep, we need more of that. More bisexuals, please. Thank <laughs> yes, you. Yes, and only that. Please and thank you. <laughs> Uh, I would appreciate that personally. And they don't, they don't have to be like evil and hypersexual. Just be you can just be look, look, look at these two nice nerdy bisexuals that we have here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I can I was going to say I can attest to the fact that some bisexuals are quite nerdy. <laughs> uh so next week shall we return to Edward Scissorhands? We'll get back. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So next week we will talk to Ed, uh, talk to talk Ed. to Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> he will be here on the show. Special guest calling him in. Yeah. <laughs> the character. Yep. Uh, no, but we will talk about that movie. Um, but thank you both. That was. I, I'm really glad we got to have that conversation, especially before uh, our the official Pride Month. You can yes. always have Pride, but yes. is over. Um, and hopefully next year we can have a lot more Pride celebrations. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, vaccines. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. Uh, well, thank you, everyone listening at home. I hope you're uh, staying safe, staying healthy, staying home. Um, thank you to Maximum Fun for being the network on which our podcast is hosted. <laughs> you should Living. go to MaximumFun.org <laughs> and check out all the other great shows that you would enjoy. And uh, you can tweet at us at stillbuff. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org if you have other thoughts or suggestions or questions or comments or whatever. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mine. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I am too. too. Maybe we should just change it to I'm not straight. <laughs> I'm not either. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just imagine we said that. Over. Yeah. Judge John Hodgman won a Webby in the comedy podcast category. After ten years of production. Judge John Hodgman has finally won the Susan Lucci of the Webbies. What is Judge John Hodgman? Comedy writer and television personality John Hodgman settles disputes between friends, family, co-workers, partners, and more. Is Machine Gun a robot? Should a grown adult tell his parents about his tattoos? Should a family be compelled to wear matching outfits on vacation? Listen to Judge John Hodgman to find out the answers to these age-old disputes and more. If you haven't listened to Judge John Hodgman, now is a great time to start. Judge John Hodgman is available on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.